Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, January 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Western banks are having a hard time quitting Russia, and Elon Musk borrowed $13 billion to buy Twitter. The first interest payment is due soon. There are a number of things that Musk could do to meet this interest payment. All of these options are painful. But first, we'll tell you about a big idea brewing in Latin America. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. This week, South America's two biggest economies will announce they're looking into a common currency. If Brazil and Argentina move forward with this, it could eventually become the world's second largest currency bloc. The goal is to boost regional trade and reduce reliance on the U.S. dollar. The benefits are obvious for Argentina, which struggles with hyperinflation and a weak currency. There are more concerns in Brazil, where the central bank has never really bought into the idea, and others are nervous about hitching themselves to Argentina's volatile economy. It's been nearly a year since Moscow began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, and if you recall, Western corporations reacted with dramatic decisions to exit Russia. But today, many Western banks are still there. To find out why, I'm joined by the FT's Owen Walker. Hey, Owen. Hi, thanks for having me today. All right. What Western banks are still operating in Russia and why haven't they left yet? Well, pretty much all the Western banks still have operations in Russia, though due to various sanctions and government actions, a lot of those subsidiaries are actually divorced from the the main bodies of the banks. There's only really been one or two banks that have actually managed to exit, the biggest one being Societe Generale from France, it's cost them about 3.3 billion euros. So it's been very expensive to exit. And there's probably at least 45 Western banks still with some kind of operation in Russia. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the cost factor here. How much money is at stake for some of these banks? I mean, at, at right at the top end, you have Raiffeisen Bank, which is an Austrian lender, and it's got over 20 billion euros of exposure in the country. Then there's a few more. Unicredit is another is an Italian bank. There's a couple more European banks. Citigroup, the big US bank, they've got a few billion euros of exposure. And then you've just got a very long tail of pretty much all the big Western banks with mothballed operations, really, and, you know, tens or maybe a couple of hundred million of exposure there. So it, it really does depend on uh, the banks themselves and, and how much they'd invested in their Russian operations over the past uh, couple of decades. So, Owen, how are some of these banks trying to leave Russia without losing as much money as possible? There's a couple of approaches, none of which are particularly palatable. The one that was initially tried was to try and sell your business on to another either Russian bank or, you know, another foreign bank, which was looking to grow in Russia. Clearly, there aren't too many of those at the minute. There aren't too many Russian businesses or individuals wealthy enough to buy these banks, which aren't on Western sanctions lists. You know, in a lot of these deals, you are kind of handing over your business to, in some cases, maybe the Russian state or individuals very close to the Kremlin. So that's for a lot of Western banks, that's been something they're not being prepared to do. Other banks like Citi have said they're just going to wind down their operations. They were trying to sell their business there for well over a year, couldn't find any deals. And so uh, decided that they're just going to take the hit and wind it down. 
Now, I'm curious, are the banks under pressure from regulators or anyone else for still operating in Russia? Or is there a sense that they are trying to leave, but it's easier said than done? I know there have been some disagreements between some of the European banks and the ECB, especially with Unicredit, about their continued presence in Russia. Now, actually, over the summer, some of these banks were lining up deals to exit. HSBC was lining up a deal with a Russian bank called Expo Bank. But yet, just two weeks later, at the start of August, President Putin signed off Presidential Decree 520, which basically said that he would have to give the final rubber stamp for any such deals. And that basically means that HSBC's deal with Expo Bank, you know, it's really waiting for essentially President Putin to give it his OK. So that's looking far from certain at this point. No foreign bank is looking at Russia as an area of future growth. I think they're all in face-saving mode, how they can exit the country while losing as little as they can for shareholders. Owen Walker is the FT's European banking correspondent. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much. Elon Musk is under pressure. He borrowed $13 billion to buy the social media company Twitter, and the FT reports that his first interest payment on that debt may be due at the end of the month. To talk about how Musk will come up with that money, I'm joined by our West Coast financial editor, Tabby Kinder. Hey, Tabby. Hi, Mark. Okay, so how serious of a problem is this for Musk? So this is a really serious deadline, and it just couldn't come at a worse time. I mean, Musk's owned the platform for two and a half months, and it's been two and a half months of just nonstop headlines, advertisers leaving, um, issues about content moderation, politics, job cuts, lawsuits, etc. Since Musk took it over, revenues have been dropping. He's alienated a lot of corporate America, and ad- people have pulled advertising spend. Uh, There have been reports recently that revenues are down about 40%, which when you add in this crushing interest payments um, to a loss-making business that's having a decline in revenue, it really doesn't look good for Twitter's financial health. No, it doesn't. Um, So how will Musk come up with the money to make this payment? So there are a number of things that Musk could do to meet this interest payment. He said before that Twitter has... Um, about a billion dollars still of cash reserves. He could use that to pay the debts. He could um, raise more equity in the company. We know that in December, he was offering existing investors the ability to buy more equity, which would have raised new funds. Uh, He could also liquidate more of his Tesla stock to put more of his own equity into Twitter um, and settle some of the debt interest payments that way. But look, all of these options are painful and interest rates are going up. The debt is going to become more expensive. And if he was to write a larger check for Twitter to try and settle some of these debts and uh, liquidate Tesla stock to do that, it would put more pressure on an already you know, rapidly falling Tesla share price. Now, Tabby, you mentioned earlier that the $13 billion is held by Twitter at a corporate level with no personal guarantee by Musk. Does this mean that there's really no risk for Musk and it's just a risk for Twitter? So there's a huge risk for Musk, but it comes in the equity. So Musk has put in about $26 billion of equity into Twitter. If Twitter defaults on its debts and goes into bankruptcy, 
then effectively all of the equity that people have put in to take to a private would be wiped out because we know that the assets wouldn't be able to settle all of the the waterfall of, of creditors from the banks right down through the trade creditors and then finally the equity holders, which include Elon Musk, which include venture capital funds like Sequoia and Andreessen Horowitz, they would all be effectively wiped out. So are the people backing Musk nervous? I'm talking about the bankers and equity investors who gave him the money to do the deal. I got to imagine they are. The thing that surprised me most has been that all of the equity investors in Twitter that I've spoken to, and to be honest, most of the bankers whose banks own large chunks of the debt are still overwhelmingly just Team Musk. They've completely drunk the Kool-Aid on his ability to bring back companies from the brink. I mean, it's surprising when the experience of staff, the experience of users, advertisers on Twitter has been so kind of publicly negative that all of the investors um, that are still backing Musk are still so optimistic, so bullish about him and, and just continue to be kind of fans of his ability to take a company, take a failing company and, and turn it into a, a massive owner of market share. Tabby Kinder is the FT's West Coast editor. Thanks, Tabby. Thanks. Hedge fund billionaire Bill Ackman bought a few Bremont watches, and he loved his luxury timepieces so much, he bought a stake in the company. Ackman's built a reputation as the fearsome activist investor behind the hedge fund Pershing Square Capital Management. But he's not buying Bremont for Pershing's portfolio. He's using his own funds. He told the FT he views himself as a long-term shareholder. Ackman's investment came through a recent funding round, and now the British watch company is valued at well over £100 million. The money will help Bremont with its plans to bring large-scale watch manufacturing back to Britain. Before we go, we want to make the FT's podcasts even better, and we'd like your feedback. Please take our listener survey. It's at ft.com slash briefing survey. That's ft.com slash briefing survey. We'll have that link in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business 
To learn more, what would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA, copyright 2024.